Are you a real know-it-all? Do you annoy your family by shouting the answers while watching Jeopardy? Do you drive people crazy when you start a sentence with, well, actually? Well, guess what? You can go fact yourself. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Go Fact Yourself, the show where we take the smartest people we know and make them look dumb. And then smart again. I'm Helen Hong. And now, socially distancing from our homes in Los Angeles, here's our moderator, J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. Wonderful to see you again. Nice to see you. I was just appreciating, as you were doing our introduction, how many different ways you have managed to find to say, well, actually. It's getting more and more difficult. But, you know, I try to, <laughs> I try to spice it up for our listeners, J. Keith. Well, we certainly, certainly appreciate that. We've got a very special episode today. We've got two of our guests who are joining us from Australia. Whoa. I have been to Australia a few times. Uh, it's one of my favorite places to go. I feel very privileged to have been able to, to visit. Have you had a chance to uh, visit our land down under? I have never been to Australia. My sister actually lived in Australia for a year. And so there was an entire year where I was trying to make it down there. But it's it's such a long trip. It's not like a place where you can just pop it. I'm just popping over to Australia. It's like you lose two days just in the travel. Yeah, it's a lot. I, I actually one time took a uh, a four-day trip there because you know me. I love my getting my airline miles and there was a special deal and all that. And I realized I don't know if that was such a great idea. I mean, I was happy to see friends and I'm happy to, I'm happy to say that I have friends in Australia. I never thought I would say that. Like to me, that was like saying, oh, I've got, I've got some buddies on the moon. But uh, it, uh, it, yeah, you, you definitely want to give yourself a little, uh, a, a week or so there. Um, I, I feel like I, I should, it's definitely on the list uh, if for nothing else but koalas. Yes, they do have those there. I mean, they do have they're those. They, they run rampant. They're, they're like just, squirrels. They're, they're all so over cute. the place. They are, they are, they are very cute. Is there a place that you have dreamed of as a, as a kid of? being able to visit that you've either gotten to visit or you still uh, would like to go oh the very very next thing on my on my bucket list is to go to the maldives because i watched this entire documentary on how the maldives will pretty much not exist in 50 years because of climate Mm -hmm. change right it's actually the lowest lying landmass on earth so got to hit the Maldives before it's all underwater. Get it while it's not hot, I guess would be, you, would say, you would say for that. Well, we hope you get the chance to do that. And we hope that the Maldives and every place lasts even longer. Please, guys, recycle. That, I don't think that's going to help. Hey, everybody. Today on Go Fact Yourself, two guests will compete to answer questions about facts they know, facts they might not know, and, frankly, facts they should know. Plus, we'll meet actual experts on two very different topics. And finally, we'll declare one of our guests the winner of today's show. Let's get started and meet today's guest. Helen, who is up first? He is a broadcaster who can be heard on ABC Radio Sydney and as the host of the podcast, Uncomfortable Conversations with Josh Zepps. It's Josh Zepps. Hello, Josh Zepps. Hi, Jake Keith. Hi, Helen. We're joining you all the way from Australia. Earlier, earlier, earlier. <laughs> oh, no, we've had a little bit of an echo. <laughs> Wonderful to see you again. Uh, I've known you for a while, but I believe the last time I saw you, you were a single guy living in New York City. What's been going on since then? <laughs> I'm now a married guy with two three-year-old twins living in Sydney, Australia. Oh, okay. That's a lot. So you, a lot of yeah, happened. that's a lot of change. A lot of change. That uh, is well, a lot of change. Well, speaking of change, when I knew you also, your last name was spelled Z-E-P-P-S, and now you go by S-Z-E-P-S. Uh, tell us about the change and why you changed it uh, again. I'm keeping you on your toes, Jakey. I appreciate that very much. The correct spelling of my name is S 
Z or Z, as we Z, would say here, yes. E-P-S. My grandparents were refugees who fled World War II after war and came to Australia. At some point in all of the paperwork, we're not exactly sure what the, na- what the correct spelling of the name was. S-Z-E-P-S is mm-hmm. what she told people when she got off the boat here in Australia. Yeah. But when I moved to, th- to the States, I just got bored of Americans. Con- and, you know, no offense against Americans. They just found it way too interesting. It was like, what is that, schwaps? What do I say, schwaps? <laughs> what is that, spaps? How do I say it, schwaps? Where's Swaps from? Is it Zazaps? I know. We're How so, do I say that? We're so terrible the way we're interested in people here. <laughs> it's true. I just wanted to be left alone. So I thought that just phoneticize it, yeah. spell it phonetically. I don't know how the Polish great-grandparents were spelling it anyway. Spell it phonetically. And then when I got back to Australia, I was like, well, no, now I'm going to need my passport to, like, match my driver's got license it. and things. So let's just go back to normal. And I had kids. Then I would have had to, like, formally change my name right. to... And by then, the pizzazz had gone out. out. Wow, I can't believe you changed your name for American Dummery. Yeah. That is... Yeah, the things we do. Yeah. The things we do. Mm. Uncomfortable Conversations is the name of the podcast that Helen mentioned in your intro. And I was wondering, well, what's so uncomfortable about the conversations? And then I looked at a couple of the episode titles. Uh, One is, Am I Racist? Another is, What's Wrong with Men? So uh, you definitely are living up to the the billing. You've described it as a safe space for dangerous ideas. Why is it important for you to to offer that safe space? I think they're becoming increasingly rare. uh, Mm. To the forums in which we can talk across the aisle with people who we disagree with or even with people with whom we agree but talking about things that are likely to trigger tripwires in ways that are not intended to be offensive Mm. but are intended to actually drill down into what it is that we disagree about and agree about on some of these things so what's wrong with men that sounds like it's really provocative but Mm -hmm. I think that was the episode with Michael Ian Black it was yes comic uh so like and he'd written a book about which was a book addressed to his son about what it means to be a man. And Am I Racist was with one of Australia's leading Indigenous Australians. It's a fascinating conversation. Very cool. Uh, some of our American listeners will also know you from your long time at HuffPost Live, which you helped found. Uh, you did hundreds, if not thousands of hours of live broadcasting. Were there any particular moments where you were like, oh my God, I can't believe that just happened live on screen? Yeah. Russell Brand was another amazing guest who tried to lactate me on the air by <laughs> taking off my shirt and squeezing my nipples because he thought my nipples were unduly large. Wow. Uh, okay, so, so that's been done. Times. We can we can 86 that segment on today's show? <laughs> yeah, I'm All sorry right. to... I'm sorry to break it to you, but we have to get rid of that one. Last thing I want to ask you about, uh, this is not your first time today as a game show contestant. You actually got an early start in that field. Tell us about that. Yes. What was the name of the show where they you asked, when you it's kids, and you yeah. get asked questions, and then you go through an obstacle course, and like they throw slime on you or something? Or Double Dare. It's called Double Dare Double here. Double Dare. So when I was eight, my friend Talia and I went on Double Dare, the, in, in Australia, obviously, mm-hmm. And uh, we got the second highest score in the history of Double Dare. Oh. Wow. And what did you win from that? Nothing. Oh, okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, you get a lot of things, don't you? You get just a bunch of, I don't remember what the toys were. You get lots and lots of toys okay. and maybe a couple hundred bucks or something. But it was more the, it was just the thrill, Jake Keith, of yes. being on television yeah. in front of all my friends and being triumphant. Wow. All right. Well, it sounds like your competitor is going to have their work cut out for you. We thank you so I'm much ready. for joining us. It's wonderful to see you again, Josh Zepps. Thank you. Helen, against whom will Josh be competing? She is an award-winning playwright, screenwriter, 
writer and actor who can be seen in Hunters on Amazon Prime Video. It's Kate Mulvaney. Hello, Kate Mulvaney. Hi, JK. Hi, Helen. It's so wonderful to meet you. You actually were suggested for our show by Josh. How do you two know each other? Oh, God. Through a mutual friend, I think it is, isn't it? Josh, through Damon Harriman. I think so. Yeah, who is an actor. He's well known as being the guy that plays Charles Manson and everything. Okay. Uh, at the moment. <laughs> well, but this obviously is his greatest accomplishment, bringing this us together his, today. This is his yes, greatest, absolutely. yeah. Yes, and also we should mention, whilst Kate may only be known to an American audience for her television work, she is one of the most highly regarded theatrical performers in Australia and is incredibly highly respected. <laughs> we're going to get to that. In fact, uh, Helen mentioned in your intro that you are an award winner. You won a very big award uh, last year. Uh, tell us about the order that you got from the government of Australia. Oh, I got an uh, a Medal of the Order of Australia, an <gasps> OAM, OMG, OAM. Yes, it's <laughs> something that's given to you by the by the governor uh, for your contribution to uh, aspects of, of Australian life. And I think it gets the tick of approval from Her Majesty as well. I was going to oh. say, is it like a knighthood? Oh, yeah, I'm a knight. I'm Sir, <laughs> oh. Sir Kate Mulvaney. No, I, you get a medal. You get several medals and yes. of different sizes, and there's a certain way you have to wear them. and. Ooh. And you get a, you know, a certificate and you get a lovely lunch at government house. Yeah, I, it was very unexpected. I didn't think I was um, old enough to get one. <laughs> oh, well, you, you were so precocious. They gave it to you for that as well. Well, it was, it was if I read correctly, it's uh, for contribution to the Australian arts. Is, and uh, yes. you've certainly made a lot of those contributions. Uh, you've done a lot of contemporary stage work, but you've also played a lot of the classics, Antigone, Lady Macbeth, uh, but also Richard III at the Sydney Opera House, which is something that I don't think people would have expected uh, from you. You got <laughs> raves in that role. Uh, was that a dream role for you to be able to play Richard III? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, uh, Dick the shit, as we call him in the biz, is... <laughs> yes. uh, is He's, you know, the, one of the greatest villains ever mm-hmm. ever written and one of Shakespeare's first plays. And so it's quite um, a messy, dirty, grotty little play and mm-hmm. grotty little character. The reason I really did want to play Richard was we had the same spinal disability. I have a spinal mm-hmm. disability from my childhood cancer. And so we had exactly the same uh, curvature. Wow. When they pulled up those bones from the car park a few years ago that, and they found his actual bones, <gasps> I just was awestruck because I went, that that they're my bones. Oh. Wow. Um, and around the same time, I was offered the role by Belle Shakespeare to play Richard. And I think it was fabulous to play him and actually show my disability and his mm. disability. Uh, I think it's important that, you know, representation does matter. And I was just going to say that. We talk a lot about how representation mm-hmm. matters to so many different kinds of people. And yeah. disabilities, I have to admit, is not one that I... I tend to think of first when, uh, when the, with that issue. That's amazing. That's right. Yeah, and so to, to be up, get up there and to be able to show my spine, I, mm-hmm. I, I did the, the script work on it as well, and so I made sure that there was a moment where I could actually show my spine and, and kind of be honest for the first time in a long time on stage. It's kind of ironic that his role started with men playing all of the female yeah. roles, and now you're, you're, you get to turn just, around and do I'm the all-female cast. just taking back the power. You Take know, back that power. <laughs> As a writer, you've done a lot of uh, original work, but you've also had success adapting a lot of shows. Uh, Medea, Jasper Jones, Masquerade. What's the key to a good adaptation? Come at it from a brand new way. There's no point in doing an adaptation if you can't really, really turn it upside down, shake it and see what comes mm-hmm. out. So, for example, with Medea, we told it from the children's point of view. So we basically oh, wow. spent, this is a, very sad, but we, we basically spend the last hour of those children's lives in their bedroom with them while they're playing. 
So mm. we know what's going to happen at the end oh, of the hour, but they don't, which is, I heart. know it sounds tragic, but <laughs> yeah. you actually, it's actually very life-affirming. That's it's so nice cool. To, it's nice to take a classic and, and just shine a new light on it. Yeah. American listeners, of course, may know you from Hunters. Uh, you mm. play a nun, a Nazi hunting nun. You, you've described it in interviews as James Bond in a habit. Yeah, uh, which a very bad if, habit. If, if yes, if that if that doesn't sell a show right off, I don't know what does. <laughs> Had you played a nun before? And any particular challenges of playing a nun? No. Well, I tell you, I live in a convent in Sydney. Uh, it's it's a convent that's been turned into a set of apartments. And ever since I've lived in this convent, I've written a play about nuns. Mm-hmm. I have put, been in a show called Lambs of God with Damon Harriman, actually, uh, that is uh, about nuns. And <laughs> I, I did, but I never played played a nun in that one. And then I got Sister Harriet in Hunters. And oh so my I God! Feel like they've possessed you. <laughs> I, think, I think some little ghosty nuns have made their way into my. Uh, into my body in some way, and, and uh, we're making the most of it on Hunters. Wow. Yeah. The lead actor they market that show to here is uh, Al Pacino. What was it like working with Al Pacino? It was everything you can imagine and more. Like, he oh, great. is the kindest, warmest, quirkiest, uh, most brilliant. There's a reason he's one of the greatest actors ever, people to work with. He's so much fun. He's so generous. He has also played Richard III, so he calls oh, me right. Richard. In real life, <laughs> so we have we have a lot of discussions about Shakespeare, and because he's a theatre animal, Al Pacino, yeah. and so when you get him talking, especially about theatre, I could just sit at his feet and listen for hours and hours and hours. Wow! It's, it's and I'm da- I'm, da- I'm sure that when you thought about getting into theatre, you thought one day I'll just be on the set, and between shots, I'll be talking Shakespeare with Al Pacino. <laughs> still, I still have moments where I have to say, Al, I just have to stop you there. I can't believe this is happening. I can't continue. continue. <laughs> oh. Just... Well, now you know how we feel having you on our show. <laughs> Kate Mulvaney, thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Jake. Kate and Josh, we asked each of you to provide us with a few topics outside your field of work in which you feel you some expertise. Josh, you said you know a lot about frequent flyer programs, the season three finale of The West Wing, and Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up routines, and you emphasized not his TV show. Whereas, Kate, you said you know a lot about Rasputin's relationship with the Romanovs, Vegemite and the correct way to eat it. I'd love to know that there's a correct way. And the film The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Later on, we're going to ask each of you some in-depth trivia questions about one of those topics. But first, we're going to get your thoughts on something you might know nothing about. It's time to split some hairs with our What's the Difference round. We'll have one question for each of you, each worth up to two points. If either of you gives an incorrect answer, the other person has a chance to steal. Your topic today, pirates. First up is Josh. Josh, your question comes from a listener. Who is it, Helen? It's from Matt Moster from Oxford, Connecticut. Thanks, Matt. Listeners, if you would like to submit a suggestion for our What's the Difference round, go to gofactyourpod.com and click on Get Involved. Thank you, Helen, and thank you, Matt. All right, Josh, in the topic of pirates, they both are things you might hear a pirate say, but what's the difference between I and I-I? I and I, I. Ooh. No, uh, no, I, not ooh. <laughs> I. <laughs> I'm going to say that I means yes, mm-hmm. and I, I means either very much yes, or <laughs> I have heard your command and I agree that I will obey it. Okay, we've got uh, Josh's answer. We don't know yet if he's entirely correct. Kate, you can steal if you think he's got it wrong. What do you think? I think it's I would be used to the general crew mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. on the ship, and I.I. is usually followed by captain. Mm-hmm. I.I. captain. 
Mm-hmm. So I think that II is specifically for the captain. Okay. And now is it the captain or the cap'n? Captain. The cap. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much. All right. Well, this segment is eyeing the exit. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts. I simply means yes. You'll commonly hear it in certain regions of the English-speaking world or when voting yes, I, as opposed to no, nay, in a parliamentary voice vote. I.I. is used aboard ships to tell a superior officer that an order was understood and will be followed. For instance, if an officer asked a sailor if they enjoyed their shore leave, the sailor would say, yes, sir, or aye, sir. But if the officer ordered the sailor to swab the deck because, say, they threw up on it after their shore leave, the sailor would say, aye, aye, sir. That's right. And if a sailor messes something up, they'll say, aye, aye, aye. (laughs) (laughs) Helen, how do they do in that? I think Josh got both parts of that correct. I think so as well. Two points for Josh. Very good. All right. Up next is Kate. Kate, your question also comes from a listener. Who is it this time, Helen? It's from Max Weintraub of Alexandria, Virginia. Thanks, Max. Thank you, Max. All right, Kate, your question in the topic of pirates. They both might be sung on a pirate ship, but what's the difference between a sea song and a sea shanty? A sea song and a sea shanty. Ooh, good question, Max. Uh, My current play in Australia has a sea shanty in it, would you believe? Wow. Can you give Um, us a a few bars? Um... Paddy lay back, take in your slack, take a turn around the capstan, heave a pole, heave a pole, about ship stations, boys be handy, we're bound for Sydney town some yonder more. Hey, 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 <laughs> very nice. <laughs> Little Aussie sweet shandy for you. Okay, um, but that, that, I give I, that an aye aye. <laughs> Indeed you do. I think it deserves an aye aye and a point because it's very rare to get me to sing. Uh, and I think I've sung quite a few times in this Look, a sea shanty, in my own research that I found out, mm-hmm. is a working song. Okay. It's, it's sung while uh, the sailors are working. A sea song, I would say, would probably be just something that they would, you know, uh, hum uh, whilst lounging about on deck. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I love how you approached the landing of that very confidently and then pulled up right at the end. <laughs> Um, All right, we have Kate's answer. We don't know yet if she is correct. Josh, what do you think? I think she's broadly correct. I would have said roughly the same thing, that a sea song is uh, is anything that one can sing. I could be in Etihad first Mm -hmm. class and I could be singing a little sea song to myself (laughs) at 34,000 feet, Mm -hmm. but a shanty would be a rhythmical uh, laborer's song to pass the time in unison with rhyme whilst at work at sea. Okay, so you were pretty much saying exactly what she said, but longer. (laughs) <laughs> and and while that's what I that's what and I while rubbing the first class of Etihad at yes, the same yes. time, <laughs> rub it in, Josh, rub it in. Okay, this segment needs to be put in the scuppers with a hose pipe on it. Let's go to Helen Hong at the judges' table for the facts. Here are the facts: a sea song is simply a song sung by sailors about the sea, often with musical accompaniment. A sea shanty is a rhythmic work song that is always a cappella. It's similar to the military cadence like left, 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 right, left, in that it encourages those singing it to perform a task at the same pace. You might remember that recent sea shanty craze on TikTok. It was started by kids singing The Wellerman, which is a sea song, not actually a shanty. Stupid TikTokers. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, that, of course, is right. An example of a rhythmic sea shanty would be, what do you do with a drunken sailor? But it's the rhythm that counts. Sea shanties don't even have to be about the sea. Although, if you're going to sing a shanty, quit wasting everybody's time and make it about the sea. <laughs> Helen, how did our guest do? I think Kate got both points. I think so as well. Two points for Kate. What a game we have going here. What is our score at the end of that round, Helen? At the end of that round, Josh Seps has two points, and Kate Mulvaney also has two points. Very nice. Those scores are bound to change, though, as we move on to questions about topics our guests have chosen for themselves. That's all up ahead when we come back on Go Fact Yourself. And now, a word from our sponsor. Helen, you sound different than usual. Well, I'm not in my usual, like, high-tech recording studio in my home. I'm actually on the road in New York getting ready to tape my very, very first comedy special. So I am on my phone in a hotel room in New York. Oh, well, congratulations on all of that. Thank you very much. You know, you also sound a little bit different. Well, I'm not at home either. I'm at my girlfriend's place recovering from her birthday party that was held last night, and I'm recording this ad on my phone. Oh! Muzzle. Thank you so much. We have so much to celebrate. Uh, <laughs> Helen, I got to tell you, after a night like I just had last night, I could use some help feeling calmer, less sore, and relaxed. And that's why I use Caliper CBD. It's an easily dissolvable powder as opposed to an oil that you have to hold under your tongue to get any benefits. I just stir it right into my morning beverage from its pre-measured 20 milligram packets. It is so convenient. It is fast acting. You get all the benefits of CBD in just 10 minutes. And Caliper CBD comes in those convenient and easy to use 20 milligram packs. And Helen, we've got a special offer on Caliper CBD powder for our listeners. Tell them about it. Yeah, you can get 20% off of your first order when you use promo code GOFACT at trycaliper.com slash GOFACT. That's Caliper, T-R-Y-C-A-L-I-P-E-R dot com slash GOFACT. You can try Caliper CBD risk-free for 30 days. If you don't love it, they'll give you a full refund. That's trycaliper.com slash GOFACT. Don't forget promo code GOFACT for 20% off your first order. Thank you, Caliper CBD. We don't have to be at our homes to get that kind of great timing. <laughs> Jake Keith really needs it right now. <laughs> hey there, beautiful people. Did you hear that good, good news? Something about the baby Jesus? Mm, he's coming back. Or do you mean the fact that <laughs> Apple Podcasts is named Fanti one of the best shows of 2020? I mean, we already knew that we was hot stuff, but a little external validation never hurts, okay? Hosted by me, writer and journalist Jared Hill. And me, the ebony enchantress myself, <laughs> Travel Anderson. Fanti is your home for complex conversations about the gray areas in our lives, the people, places, and things. We're huge fans of, but got some anti-feelings toward. You name it, we fan-tie you. Nobody's off-limits. Check us out every Thursday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your Slayworthy audio. Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Josh Seps and Kate Mulvaney. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen Hong. All right, Josh, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about frequent flyer programs, the season three finale of The West Wing, and Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up routines, not his TV show. Let's find <laughs> out a little bit more about each of those. First, tell us why you chose frequent flyer programs for one of your topics. 
Because everybody in the world, Jay Keith, wants to travel in first class, and there are a select few of us who bore everybody at parties by telling them that we know the secrets of how to do so using nothing but frequent flyer miles and our wits. And that has intrigued me since I was in my mid-teens. And since then, I've accumulated many millions of miles, lifetime gold status with American Airlines, and flown around the world in first or business class probably 40 or 50 times. Wow, that is a flex right there. That was all just flex. Now, is it easier to acquire so many miles when you live so far away from everyone else in the world? Yes, it is. It is. Yeah, when I I have some friends who, like, their main flying route will be between, like, LaGuardia and O'Hare. And they're like, how do you have so many miles? You must sign up for lots of credit card sign-up bonuses. And I say, Yes, I do do that. I also live on the dark side of the moon in Sydney, Australia, and every time I fly there, I get wow. lots and lots of points. Incredible. All right, Josh, next you told us you know a lot about the season three finale of The West Wing. The West Wing still looms large in my consciousness as the greatest television show in the history of humankind. Now, maybe that's because I was in my late teens and early 20s and it touched a nerd spot in my politics nerd brain. Mm -hmm. I really do think it was dealing with issues that still stand up today. And so what was it about the finale of season three that you think resonated with you so much? It's the best episode of the best show. It's the point at which there is a parable, essentially, of the, the ultimate morality play of whether or not it's okay to take another human life and Mm. the president has to make a decision about whether or not to break the law and assassinate a foreign foe at the same time as I won't go I feel bad I feel bad like even spoiling something that's 20 years old but (laughs) wants to go back and rewatch it or doesn't remember there is the the karmic cost of his decision uh, to do wrong uh, blows back in uh, in an incredibly moving way plus there's a Broadway musical there's a Broadway musical I mean it's set in it's set in New York it's fantastic I love it and then finally Josh tell us why you chose Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up routines not his TV show and you were very emphatic on that point while i was trying to figure out how to fly around the world first class for free at the age of 14 i was also a total comedy nerd and jerry seinfeld emerged at precisely the time that i found it fascinating to dissect the process of analytical comedy and i was very attracted by hyper intellectualized comedy and he is the champion of that style of almost mathematically precise comedic perfection. He even remember he had stand-up books where he would just write his stand-up jokes right. and then release them as books and I kind of memorized those and I went to see him when he did his world tour I'm telling you for the last time where he basically retired all of his stand-up material from the whole of his life when he finished Seinfeld mm-hmm. and when it did a big world tour. I remember seeing him in, in Sydney and thinking he was just the greatest. Can I just say quickly that I had to follow Jerry Seinfeld at a small comedy club in New no. York. And it was like one of the most terror-inducing things because that man gets a standing ovation when they introduce him. Mm. Like on his yeah. way to the stage, he gets a standing O. And then he does his thing and he leaves and and then they're like, and now here's Helen Hong. And I'm like, wow, no, that's, come on. But one day, <laughs> Helen, one day someone is going to tell the story of following you. That's right. <laughs> exactly. All right. And that man will be Jerry Seinfeld. Wow. <laughs> what a twist. What a twist. All right. So to summarize, Josh, you told us you know a lot about frequent flyer programs, the season three finale of The West Wing, and Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up routines, not his TV show. Today we're going to quiz you about... Frequent flyer programs. Ooh, this is the one I didn't think I was going to get. We surprise you. Uh, <laughs> we, couldn't get, is... we couldn't get Seinfeld. Yeah. Wait, 
<laughs> we did get an A380, though, so that'll be fun for our expert. <laughs> this is something you and I have in common and that uh, you, you and I have mm. discussed over the years, trading tips and tricks. Do you have a favorite redemption story of uh, something that you were able to get that was uh, amazing? I do. When the, as the 787 was first released, many airlines put in fancy, beautiful seats that, you know, that were lie flat in, on routes that previously had only been conventional old bucket seats. And so I redeemed some miles from... Bangkok to Kuala Lumpur, or maybe it was Singapore to Kuala Lumpur, two cities that are that you could pretty much walk between if yeah. you were, if <laughs> you were enthusiastic about, yeah. about hiking. Anyway, it was a four days on a plane with, I believe, five flights of about eight to ten hours to perform a single one-hour trip. And then you may remember, Jay Keith, when the 787 was introduced – there was a problem with its electronics and they had to ground all of the 787s for six months. And so I ended up doing this dramatic, adventurous, lie flat seat, lap of luxury uh, mileage run in the old conventional, horrible no! business class bucket seats no! for four oh, days. Gosh, my heart. Oh. <laughs> I ate a lot of satay and I drank a lot of sparkling wine. Oh, uh, well. And I eventually made it. And I got the, I got the miles I needed. Yes, the things we do for miles, huh? All right. Well, just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic with our three-part question. But before that, to give you a chance to show off, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed a total of two hints in these five questions. Now, Kate, do listen closely because you can steal if Josh gets any wrong. Kate, by the way, how much do you know about frequent flyer programs? Nothing. Nothing. Uh, And I come from a part of Australia that is even further away than Josh's Sydney. I come from... Western Australia, which is uh, really is the most isolated uh, city in the world. Perhaps. And frequent flyer programs haven't reached that uh, that far west. Look, they have, but but for some reason, I maybe I just haven't visited mum enough. To, uh... <laughs> That's the lesson here, everybody. Visit your yeah. mom, get some miles. I'm a terrible right. daughter. Well, let's see if uh, well, let's see if Josh lets you in. If he gets any of these wrong, Josh, here's your first question about frequent flyer programs. Josh, you live in Australia, where two of the country's main airlines have frequent flyer programs. One is called Velocity, and the other, in a stroke of originality, is called Frequent Flyer. Name either of these Aussie carriers. <laughs> I will name both Qantas and Virgin. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Qantas and Virgin Australia, actually. Qantas is frequent flyer. Virgin Australia's program is called Velocity. I currently have zero points in each program. What about you, Josh? (laughs) I have about 120,000 Qantas points and I think about 15,000 Velocity points. I'm going to need to start docking points for all this flexing that's happening. (laughs) Josh, here's question number two. Speaking of Virgin Australia, Virgin Australia's sister airline, Virgin Atlantic, offers three cabins of service that you can book with your frequent flyer points. Economy, premium, and instead of first class, what class that sounds like it's for the only class of people who could afford it? They call it upper class. Helen? That is correct. That is correct, of course. I said it in my most upper classy way. Yes. Oh. If you if you have to ask what it's called, you cannot afford it. <laughs> I said it with my I said it with my pinky held high. <laughs> Much appreciated by our listeners. Yes. Fun fact, upper class tickets come with a chauffeur driven car service to take you to and from the airport. There's also a bar on the plane just for those passengers. Wow. All right, here's question number three. While it's fun to use points and miles to travel in first class internationally, sometimes you just need to go somewhere domestically on the cheap. When flying on Qantas, what is the minimum amount of Qantas frequent flyer points needed to travel in economy one way from Melbourne to Sydney? And we'll give you the point if you're within 2,000. Ooh. 
How many miles do you... So I know that the minimum that you can earn on short-haul flights is 500 miles. Mm-hmm. See, I thought we were talking about good frequent flyer programs and good redemptions. <laughs> I would never use miles on such a, an appalling redemption at an economy class yes. flight from Sydney to Melbourne. I'm going to guess that you can get it for 8,500 miles. Helen? That is correct. That is within the range, yes. 8,000 wow. is actually the answer. 8,000. Fun fact, if you can find availability, the classic flight reward starts at 8,000 points plus $36.80 Australian taxes, fees, and carrier charges. Josh Zepps is three for three. Here's question number four. You still have two hints available. Josh, outside of Australia, there are lots of frequent flyer programs too with lots of names. But which of the following is not the name of an airline's frequent flyer program? Is it miles plus bonus, miles plus points, miles and go, miles and more, or miles and smiles? Uh, It's one of the first two, but can I get a hint, please? Yes, you may have a hint. Helen, how about that first hint? Miles and Smiles is a real frequent flyer program. Well, I knew that one, Helen. Uh, (laughs) Let's go with Miles plus bonus. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly (sighs) sorry. Kate with a chance to steal. Miles and points. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Damn me in my big mouth. Damn me in my big mouth. Now, what just happened there, that's what we call a Bradbury in Australia. What is that? Stephen Bradbury was one of our gold medalists in the Winter Olympics. We're not known for Winter Olympics. He was coming last and everyone fell over and he ended up getting the gold medal. Mm. We now call it the Bradbury if the Josh Zepps falls over in front of you. (laughs) Excellent. A Bradbury and a Zepps. Thank you for that education. Uh, fun Thank fact you. on that. La- fun fact on that last question. Miles plus bonus is for Aegean Airlines. Miles and Go is Tap Air Portugal. Miles and More is Lufthansa and others. Miles and Smiles is Turkish Airlines. Miles and Points we made up. All right, Josh. <laughs> let's see if you can bounce back with question number five. Frequent flyer programs are just like the rest of us. They love getting awards. Since 1988, what awards have been voted on by millions of frequent flyers to honor their favorite programs? Skytrax. Helen, is it Skytrax? It is not Skytrax. No, I'm terribly sorry. Kate, with another chance to steal. Uh, Lufthansa? Helen, is it Lufthansa? It is not Lufthansa. No, Lufthansa <laughs> was a word that I said a couple of minutes ago, but no, it, it is not the answer to everything. No, I think the hint would have helped. Helen, what would that hint have been? They're named after a man named Frederick but he preferred to be called by his more casual nickname. Oh, the Freddies. The Freddie Awards, yeah. yes. Yeah. Fun Awards. fact, the Freddie Awards are emceed by Gary Leff, our expert from episode 80. All right, Josh, you still did pretty well in that round, but here's your expert-level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. Ooh. We'll be bringing on an expert to assess your response. Josh, loyalty programs are always changing, and in November of last year, Air Canada relaunched its frequent flyer program with new partners and more perks like family points pooling and shareable elite status passes, which feature benefits such as lounge access. For up to three points, what is the name of Air Canada's loyalty program? What global alliance of airline loyalty programs is it a part of? And in keeping with being the flag carrier of Canada, what is the name of Air Canada's lounges? The name of the program is Aeroplan. Mm-hmm. The alliance they're part of is Star Alliance, and their lounges are called Maple Leaf Lounges. All right, said very confidently. 
Uh, was not expecting an Australian who lived in America to know that much about Air Canada. We'll see if you're correct, though. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is a senior vice president of Air Canada and the president of its loyalty program. It's Mark Nasser. Hello, Mark Nasser. Hello. Good day. Good day. Yes, thank you. <laughs> thank you for saying that in terms that our guests will understand. <laughs> Helen mentioned that you are a senior vice president. Your full title is senior vice president, products, marketing, and e-commerce. What does that mean? Well, I'm surprised you didn't need to take a breath uh, during that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Sounds but, like they're uh, giving you a lot of responsibilities, Mark. Maybe, maybe you need to delegate. Uh, my team and I are responsible for uh, Air Canada's digital channels uh, for our brand marketing and advertising, uh, the onboard products and services, as well as at the airport, uh, and of course, uh, the aeroplan loyalty program. Wow. So anything that a passenger on Air Canada sees, you had a hand in designing. Uh, the team certainly did. The team yes. did. Yes. You're, you're very, yes. Let's talk about you first before we talk about Air Canada. You, as well as Josh and me, are a travel lover. Tell us about the kind of traveling that you did uh, in your youth and the kind of traveling that you do now. So I think I started in earnest when I was uh, 14 as well, actually. There's a, there's a lot of similarities uh, between the two of us. And uh, I was a young boy reading about miles and points because uh, I'm Lebanese by origin. And we would go back to Lebanon at least once a year. And my parents would ride in the pointy side of the plane and stick my brother and I in the back of the plane. You know, they would be in one A and B and we were in 98, you know, J Whoa. and A or something. Um, That's very so baller started- of your parents. I love that. Like, that's, you got to I- earn your way up, kid. <laughs> so I started uh, studying and reading about frequent flyer programs to be able to figure out how I could get in the pointy side of the plane for no more money than my uh, parents were spending uh, to uh, put me in the decidedly uh, non-pointy end. That's great. So when you were in university, you earned and used a lot of travel points then. Yes. When I was in university, I had a small business, kind of like a travel consultancy business among others, actually. My claim to fame was I flew to Singapore about once a month for each of my four years in uni. Did over a million miles during my four years. Just to get points? To get points, to have meetings, to yeah. see people. Yeah, Singapore's nice. I mean, we, we, we shouldn't say you should only go to Singapore just to get miles. I enjoy getting out of the plane there, too. <laughs> Whoa. There, there are some delicious noodle dishes. There well. are. You still redeem over a million miles or points each year now. I still redeem over a million miles or points each year. And uh, I'm sorry to say I actually have more than 250,000 Singapore Airlines. Uh, <laughs> all right. You know what? You guys need to settle down. All right. You need to settle down with all this flexing. You don't understand, Helen, there's so few people that we can talk to this stuff about that we meet each other. We're like chess nerds or something. We just have to congregate with each other when we find each other out. Briefly on Beirut, here's a little cool flex that you'll like. I I went to Lebanon just before the pandemic started and I got there by flying Etihad first class from (gasps) Paris to Abu Dhabi and then bouncing back to Europe. Anyway, I got to use the first class apartments and have a shower in the sky. Can I tell you the the nicest flight I've ever been on was Etihad Business Class, mm. and I never wanted to leave. Like, I wanted no. to yeah. move in and just live Th- That's there. like two levels down still from their best product, yeah, too, which is right. the craziest <laughs> thing. Mark, let's talk about Air Canada. Josh mentioned this transformation that you've had with the company and with the uh, Frequent Fire program. Tell us about why the loyalty program got changed and how was it to try to bring change to an 80 plus year old company like that? Sure. So um, we were the first airline in the world to spin out our loyalty program, which we did about 20 years ago. We sold it. It was still our loyalty program in terms of uh, we uh, leveraged the program, 
We were a partner of it, if you will, but it was arm's length. Another company controlled it and ran it. And that over time, you know, right thing 20 years ago, and then the world changed in a lot of ways. And these programs became a lot more important. And the program and the airline didn't grow together. So Air Canada went about its amazing transformation on its own. Air Canada grew significantly in size. We were ultimately able to bring it back in house, you know, but we had done 18 months of customer research and there was clearly a desire for new features, different products and benefits. And so we bought it and immediately went about uh, redesigning it. Uh, you mentioned the research that went into this. Tell us a little bit about the kind of research that you did, because I, I was amazed at the lengths that you guys went to understand what the customer experience is. Yeah, so 18 months, about a dozen countries, primarily in Canada and the United States. We meaningfully spoke to over 36,000 people. We even did this type of research called ethnography. It's like an observatory research. We followed people into their bedrooms, packing their bags, to their living rooms, to the airport, to their hotels, and literally observed. Legally? (laughs) (laughs) Helen asked legally. Yeah, no, I, I didn't hear the question. Could you say it again? <laughs> uh, we, 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 we very, not only did we have willing participants, but what we found in one case in particular was this gentleman who, whose mom lives with him and his mother, upon, uh, you know, overhearing uh, the interactions between our crew and him, decided to get involved herself. So it became a family affair in that case. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, we very luckily, we had uh, tens of thousands of people um, that participated in some form or manner everything from surveys all the way to that ethnography that is that I discussed. I mean, if you're following a dude into his bedroom while he's packing, yeah, his mother's yeah. going to like be interested. Like, his mother's <laughs> going to make oh. sure like things are not going awry. Hey, Mark, did you find that people folded or rolled their clothes? Excellent follow-up question, Kate. Oh, that's an easy answer. Uh, yeah. The expert flyers were rolling and everyone else was folding. Right. Josh, do you roll or fold? I go back and forth depending on the, the trip. I'm sorry to vacillate on that one, but if I'm just... <sighs> If I'm just if it's just a short trip and I don't need to take a lot of stuff, mm-hmm. then I just fold and I just throw it in and there's no need to be conscious about it. If I'm on an airline where I'm too cheap to pay for the checked baggage and I want to just shove mm-hmm. two weeks worth of clothes into the smallest possible carry-on, then I'm rolling. And uh, Mark, uh, as far as the changes that you made for Aeroplan, are there things that you're doing that no other airline is doing that you think uh, they're maybe going to consider copying? Oh, there's a number of things. So the status pass that you mentioned, it's the first program in the world where you can actually, for an airline give the gift of status. So Mm. in the case, for example, of Helen, who does not have lifetime gold status, Mm -hmm. whereas others, you know, maybe friends, family in the community do, wouldn't it be cool if those folks could actually dawn on you gold status for a day or gold status for a trip? Yes! We also have this really cool partnership with Starbucks where you can actually link your Starbucks rewards account and your Aeroplan account. And when you fill up your Starbucks rewards, you get Aeroplan points. You can use your Aeroplan points at Starbucks and a whole number of other things. And that's just two of the features that are unique to Aeroplan. Mark, I am ready and willing to be <laughs> yes, gifted yeah. gold status <laughs> any Maybe I'll mention day. one more just because uh, it came up on the call. Uh, Etihad Airways is actually one of our airline partners. We have 40 airline partners, more than any other program in the world. Um, and Helen, we've got a family pooling feature. So again, if you have anyone in your close circle who has some miles, they can yep. get you another one of those business class tickets on Etihad somewhere. Oh, snap. Snap indeed. Mark, let's get to the reason we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the question that we asked of Josh. We wanted to know a few things about Air Canada's loyalty program. The first thing we wanted to know from Josh is what is the name of Air Canada's loyalty program? Helen, what did Josh say? Josh said Aeroplan. And Mark? Aeroplan. Is correct for the point. Very good, Josh. Next, we wanted to know what global alliance is Air Canada part of? Helen, what did Josh say? Josh said Star Alliance. And Mark? 
It is indeed Star Alliance, the way the Earth connects. Indeed. All right. And then finally, we wanted to know what is the name of Air Canada's lounges? Helen, what did Josh Zepp say? Josh said Maple Leaf Lounge. And Mark Nasser, head of loyalty at Air Canada. It is indeed Maple Leaf Lounges, or as we say affectionately internally, the MLLs. The MLLs, a perfect <laughs> score in the cluster fact for Josh Zepps. Congratulations. Mark, before we let you go, Josh, is there anything else you'd like to uh, say or ask of our expert while we have him here? Next time I fly Air Canada, can I buy a discount economy ticket and will you upgrade me? You should certainly let us know the next time you fly. Uh, and um, the moment your border opens, I'm going to be flying down and uh, buying you a nice glass of wine or a cup of coffee. <laughs> uh, sounds like we've got a lot in common. Terrific, Mark. Look forward to it. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. If people want to find out more about you, Mark, or about Air Canada, where can they go? Uh, AirCanada.com. Sounds right. Thank you so much again for joining us, Mark Nasser. Thank you so much. Uh, have a great day, everybody. And to you as Goodbye. well. All right, Helen, what is our score at the end of that round? At the end of that round, Josh Zepps has eight points, and Kate Mulvaney has three points with a round of questions for Kate coming up. That's right. We'll talk with Kate about a topic she knows about. Plus, later, Josh and Kate will go head-to-head in our Fast Facts round, all to find a winner on Go Fact Yourself. And now a word from our other sponsor. Helen, every time I'm on Facebook, I get ads for things that have no relevance or use for me. I get uh, ads for uh, hair loss products and I have my hair. I get ads uh, wanting to sue manufacturers of hernia meshes. (laughs) I've never had a hernia mesh. I get lots of ads for gay dating sites. I am neither gay nor dating. (laughs) Uh, By the way, happy pride to those who are. (laughs) Finally, last night, I saw an ad that was relevant for me. It was advertising a breakfast cereal that had zero grams of sugar, 13 to 14 grams of protein, and only four net grams of carbs. And I thought, that sounds great. Wait a minute. That sounds like our friends at Magic Spoon. And it was (laughs) an ad for Magic Spoon. They finally narrowed down your needs. They know who I am and what I like. But I don't need a Facebook ad to tell me how great Magic Spoon is because I've been a customer of Magic Spoon for months and I'm happy to say that they have been a sponsor of Go Fact Yourself for months. And if you're going to try Magic Spoon... I think you're going to want to go to the special link that we have for our listeners uh, because you can get $5 off. Helen, tell them more about the benefits of Magic Spoon because I know that it is delicious. It's also keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. And you can build your own box. It's available in flavors to build your very own custom bundle like cocoa, fruity, frosted, peanut butter, blueberry, and cinnamon. People ask me what my favorite flavor is. How could I possibly choose? It's like choosing which is my favorite cat. And sure, I probably have one, but I'm not telling Muffin. Uh, I really like the fruity. It's uh, it's really, really good. It reminds you of the fruity cereals that you had as a kid, but it doesn't have all the junk that that has. Magic Spoon. Oh, Helen, tell them about the special offer that is available just for Go Fact Yourself listeners. You can go to magicspoon.com slash gofact to grab a custom bundle of cereal and try it today. And be sure to use our promo code GOFACT at checkout to save $5 off your order. And Magic Spoon is backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they will refund your money, no questions asked. So remember, get your next delicious bowl of guilt-free cereal at magicspoon.com slash gofact and use the code gofact to save $5 off. Thank, Thank you, you, Magic, Magic Spoon. Spoon. Hi. 
Are you someone who thinks that when one door closes, another one opens? Someone who always sees the light at the end of the tunnel. If you answered yes to one or both of these questions, good for you. We are not those people. Nope. I'm Annabelle Gerwich, and I'm a, you know that other door opening? It probably leads to a broom closet kind of person. And I'm Laura House. When I see a light at the end of a tunnel, I assume it's a train headed right toward me. Laura and I have created a brand new podcast for people like us. It's called Tiny Victories. We're sharing personal tiny victories or things we've read or seen that inspire resilience. So if you're looking for a tiny reason to get out of bed each week, subscribe to Tiny Victories. Available on Maximum Fun or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get tiny! Welcome back to Go Fact Yourself with our guests, Josh Zepps and Kate Mulvaney. Once again, here's J. Keith Van Stratton. Thank you, Helen. All right, Kate, of your many interests, you told us you know a lot about Rasputin's relationship with the Romanovs, Vegemite, and the correct way to eat it, and the film The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Let's find out a little bit more about each of those. Tell us why you know a lot about Rasputin's relationship with the Romanovs. I studied it at school when I was in high school. I studied the Mad Monk, as he was uh, he's so affectionately called, and he just captured my imagination in a way that's probably not really appropriate for a 15-year-old girl <laughs> in country Western Australia. There was just something about his masterful manipulation and the exhaustion of having to keep up that act for so long, and uh, but also these mystical powers he did seem to have to uh, alleviate the royal son's uh, haemophilia. And um, I actually did write a play about Rasputin many, many years ago. Oh, interesting. All right. Well, you also said you know a lot about Vegemite and the correct way to eat it. Was that also Mm. a playwriting project of yours? No, no, but it's a life passion. Especially when I was living in America recently to shoot Hunters, I was devastated to find out and watch Americans put Vegemite on toast. And it it really did strike me that it is quite an art that Mm. Australians are very, very good at. Americans tend to put it on like it's Nutella or chocolate spread. It's a no-no. It's a very, very sparse, very salty product. The food of the gods, as Billy Connolly once called it. And so I think (laughs) the food of the gods needs to be treated with a great deal more respect. Having tried Vegemite... (laughs) Like, who are these people that are spreading it like Nutella and what is wrong with them? Like, uh, Usually first-timers, t- first-timers, and then <sighs> and then they learn very quickly that is not the way to do it. So Yeah, they're the people who then go on to tell us Australians that Vegemite doesn't taste nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's probably the way that I ate it and why I thought it was gross. Have you never so, gone near it again, Helen? I have not, yeah. I feel like I need to be shown the true way. Of- we got the right guide right here. And then finally you said you know about the film The Rocky Horror Picture Show. I do know about the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Again, uh, I was it was put on as a VHS. I grew up in a tiny country town in Western Australia, and it was the one VHS at the shop that my mum thought looked fun. Uh, and <laughs> she wasn't wrong. She wasn't watching. She put yeah. it on, and off she went. And uh, and I became absolutely obsessed with mm. Frankenfurter and his. A mob, and still am to this day. I can quote it. I, I'm one of those annoying people that you, you can't watch it in front of me because I'll just uh, mouth it. How old it, were you when along. you first saw it? I was about eight. What? That's appropriate. I was eight years old and I was recovering from cancer. I had cancer as a child and I just was obsessed with the hair on everyone from Magenta to Columbia to Frankenfurter himself. Just that they had this these amazing heads of hair and I used to put a towel around my head and pretend that I was all the characters from the Rocky Horror Picture Show. All right, Kate, so to summarize, you said you know a lot about Rasputin's relationship with the Romanovs, Vegemite and the correct way to eat it, and the film The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Today we're going to quiz you about The Rocky Horror Picture Show. Yes! 
Okay. You're looking forward to that one of, your, I, of, your, of the three topics? How many times do you think you've seen the movie over the years? Oh, over a hundred times. Wow. Okay. Times. And have you yeah. have you seen it in a theater with people with all that audience participation oh, yes. that they do? I've, I've dressed up. I've dressed up as Columbia. I've dressed up as Frankenfurter. I've, I've been there and done the time warp with a whole theater of people. Oh, so fun. Good. Yeah. I find that whole concept of the Rocky Horror cult viewings, like the, the showings where people bring the rice and the things to throw, like... I find it so fascinating, and I also wonder, you know, it must be a mess to clean up. (laughs) (laughs) Do you have a favorite scene or a favorite line from the movie, Kate? My favorite line is Frankenfurter's, after he's killed Eddie, Meatloaf. He says, it was a mercy killing. He had a certain naive charm, but no muscle. And Ooh, I just got chills. <laughs> that, was, that was something. Just ahead, we're going to enlist the help of a bona fide expert in your topic to test your mastery in the subject with our expert level question worth up to three points. But before that, to let you show your love, here are five trivia questions about your topic, each worth one point. If you want it, you're allowed to hint for any two of these five questions. Now, Josh, do listen closely because if Kate answers incorrectly, you can steal. Josh, by the way, how much do you know about the Rocky Horror Picture Show? About as much as would be gleaned by having seen it once 15 years ago. Ah. Okay. Well, let's uh, let's see if that pays off, or if Kate gives you a chance to <laughs> jump in. But did you see it in a theater with people throwing rice? No, I didn't. Maybe that was the problem. I, maybe I was just at a stage in my life where I was watching it, scratching my head, going, "What? What exactly is this?" <laughs> <laughs> All right. Here's question number one. Rocky Horror has fun songs to sing along to, and audiences do. And there's one particular song that's fun to dance to, in part because the lyrics tell you how to do the dance. Which dance starts with just a jump to the left and then a step to the right? I I I I I. That would be the time warp. Helen? That is correct. That is, of course, correct. The time warp. Uh, Fun fact, in 2016, Fox TV in the U.S. aired a tribute to the movie called The Rocky Horror Picture Show, Let's Do the Time Warp Again. All right, here's question number two. During a dinner scene, it's implied that one of the characters has been cooked and served to the dinner guests who, somewhat appropriately, plays that edible character. (laughs) That would be Meatloaf. Helen? That is correct. That is correct. Meatloaf, not a not not one to trick you on that one. Fun fact, a couple years after Rocky Horror came out, Meatloaf released the album Bat Out of Hell, which became the all-time best-selling album in Australia. Yeah, he's got a big following here. He even came down here a few years ago and, and sung for our grand final, our equivalent of the Super Bowl, mm-hmm. the Australia, Aussie Rules football. He came and sang the, uh, not the national anthem, but I think he sang Bat Out of Hell, actually. Wow, that's better than the national anthem. That should be the national anthem. Yeah. <laughs> Question number three. Audience participation at screenings of the Rocky Horror Picture Show isn't just limited to shouting and singing and dancing. Fans also bring particular items to throw toward the screen at designated moments. But according to the official RHPS fan site, which of the following is not on the list of props that should be thrown? Is it condoms, toast, rice, confetti, or toilet paper? Ooh, I'm going to take a hint on that one. All right. Well, how about that first hint? Helen Hong. Toilet paper is on the list of props. Okay. Then I'm going to say confetti. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Josh is after the chance to steal. And the, uh, the the list was condoms, toast, rice, confetti, toilet paper. Is that correct? Either that or that might be my grocery list for later today. <laughs> but no, yes, that is the list. Uh, 
I'm going to go with condoms. Helen? That is correct. That is correct oh. for a successful steal from Josh Zepps. Condoms. Very, very nice. Wow, Josh. Uh, well done. Well done. <laughs> what, a what a thing to steal off me. <laughs> Even without you being as much of an idiot as I was by telling me in advance what your finalist uh, options <laughs> were for the answer. Uh, fun fact, playing cards, newspapers, rubber gloves, and water pistols are among the other suggested props. Ah, uh, yes. All right, Kate, here's question number four. You do still have a hint available. Okay. In the opening credits, actors are listed in their roles, but also with a short description of their role. For instance, oh. Richard O'Brien as Riff Raff, a handyman, and Tim Curry as Dr. Frankenfurter, a scientist. What is the role and descriptor for actor Patricia Quinn? Oh, this is a really good question. Thank you. I wrote it. Oh, you, oh I know. I'm gonna. I'm gonna take a hint. All right, Helen. How about that second hint? She's kind of purple, and she's not an international. Oh, it's so it's magenta. Mm-hmm. And she's not. She's not an international. She's a local. Is that your answer? Yeah. All right, Helen. That is not. No, cool. I'm terribly sorry. Not quite it? right. Josh with a chance to steal. Uh, maybe this is just being teed up for me because I'm such a travel nerd, but I would think that the opposite of international is domestic. Oh, she Helen? is. Yes, the, the domestic help. Sorry, you got it. Kate, <laughs> Helen, anyone? <laughs> Helen, you go. That is correct. That is correct. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Helen, I think you're going to give a half point for the magenta I part. I think that's. Yes. I think a half point each. Thank half yeah. point each. Thank Very you. equitable. All right. Here's question number five. This one could be tricky. You have no oh, hints God. available. No Let's hints. see if you can get it though. When bringing Rocky back to life, Dr. Frankenfurter instructs someone to throw open the switches on an odd-sounding device. What is the name of that device? Oh, no. The d-d-one. Look, it's all in my head, but it's called right. the... Talk it out. Sing it out if you need to. It's like a three-word intergalactic transmitter. Helen? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Josh, with another chance to steal, <laughs> this would be amazing. Uh, I'm going to say Lufthansa. <laughs> I never call back. Wow, very nice. Helen. Jerry Seinfeld would be proud. Yeah. <laughs> What's the deal with Lufthansa? Helen, is that correct? That is not correct. No, I'm terribly sorry. Josh, you were very close. It's the Sonic Oscillator. The Sonic, Sonic so Oscillator. Oscillator. That, was my, so that was my other close. guess. Yes. No, that was that was a number five. That was supposed to be hard. It was it was barely mentioned once, and uh, uh, that would be something you'd have to really know that, uh, closely. Yeah, and it's it's t- scientific and technological, and they're the exactly. I vague out on. Yeah. By the way, fun fact: <laughs> the movie is currently owned by Disney. Disney no. currently is the owner of Rocky Horror Picture Show the movie. How about wow. that? Is it on Disney Plus? It is not on Disney Plus. For some reason, they don't want it next to uh, The Lion King. But um, (laughs) hopefully on Disney Plus After Dark, it'll show up soon. (laughs) All right, Kate. Now here's your expert level question that requires multiple answers. It is time for your cluster fact. We'll be bringing out an expert to assess your response. Kate, as we mentioned at the start of this quiz, one of the most popular songs from Rocky Horror Picture Show is The Time Warp. During that number, the character of Columbia has a memorable solo followed by a tap dance. For up to three points, in the song's lyrics, what kind of a guy does Columbia say her guy is? What is she sitting on before she leaps to the floor for her tap dance number? And who played Columbia? And you're welcome to sing it out to try to figure it out. And weirdly, it's the one little lyric that always gets me. Well, I was walking down the street just to have a thing. When a snick of a guy gave me an evil wink. So what kind of a guy? 
Snake of a guy. Snake of a guy. Okay. Yeah. And then next we wanted to know uh, what is she sitting on before she leaps to the floor for her tap dance? Oh, she's sitting on like a throne. A throne. Okay. Yes. And uh, who played Columbia? Little Nell. Little Nell. All right. Yes. Helen is taking note of those answers. We have an expert on hand who can tell us for sure. Helen, who do we have tonight? Joining us tonight is an actor and singer whose many credits include playing Columbia in the original stage version and the movie, The Rocky Horror Picture Show. It's Nell Campbell. Nell Campbell. Oh, my <laughs> Helen, Nell. I would like to say to you all, it's very important you know that eight is a little bit old to start watching. (laughs) (laughs) I'll tell you why I was late. Yes. You're reading Vegemite. I have a question for you, not regarding uh, Rocky, but Vegemite. What is the oldest age you can be to eat Vegemite to enjoy it all your life? Ooh. Age three. Age three. What? Yeah. It's just one of those things. If you don't have it, the you know before three, you're never going to like it. It's just like mm. pouring salt on. It is. But you know, a- anyway, we all live for it, and all of us that have lived abroad for long periods of time always make sure we have some. Absolutely. <laughs> well, I'm just 15 years too late then. Yeah. Yes, Helen. Oh, it's a shame. It's a shame. It is a shame. You're going to have to wait till you get your driver's license, I'm sure, as well. As people can tell from uh, hearing your voice, you are Australian as well. How did you end up in England when you got the role for Rocky Horror? Oh, my father, who was a, a writer journalist, was um, sent to London to work for six months, and so most of my three, three of my four siblings, and my mother and I all, we all went with dad. And I'd always wanted—I knew that's where I was destined for. And I was busking in the street. And anyway, I got discovered. What can I tell you? <laughs> wow, busking yeah. in the street—that's incredible. Yeah. yeah. And uh, well, now, was busking fun and romantic, as some people think of it? I'm gonna be ridiculous. No, darling. okay, not at all. Neither <laughs> of those myself out there. No, it, it it wasn't. But I used to make quite good money doing it. I used to dress as a boxer. I wore the satin shorts, a white singlet, boxing <laughs> gloves, and tap dance and sing. And I had a friend that used to dress as, you know, as a Piro. He'd collect the money. But uh, then we'd go to Paris and we'd, we'd earn enough money to live in a hotel, eat, enjoy Paris, oh, or whatever. What a life. But it was, I, I never like, well, I didn't do the asking for money, but I never like asking mm-hmm. people for money. Yes, well, that, yeah. that, that's why you're here today, because you did not. <laughs> Yeah, um. that's why I was a terrible hooker, I'm telling you. <laughs> God, I just used to give it away. Yeah. Well, looking back at Rocky Horror, it's such an amazing performance that you give. Your, your voice is amazing. Your look is amazing. The voice that you put on in that is not your not your natural voice. Uh, ha, ha, I, there's an interesting way that your mother described that voice. Oh, yeah. My mother said my voice could open a can. <laughs> now, was yeah. she talking about your regular speaking voice or the voice that you put on for Rocky Horror? I think my, maybe my singing voice. Oh, <laughs> my brother was always doing this like dial it down lower mm-hmm. bring it you know the volume down no but by the way it was tim curry's 75th birthday day before yesterday yes, mm-hmm. yes. or and, maybe yesterday american time and uh, you still stay in touch with uh, your castmates oh yeah and i see them regularly because a lot of us do these cons right in fact we're all doing one if quarantine allows i mean we've we would have been doing them all last year sure the rocky horror cons must be so fun everybody well, they're, not, they're not specifically rocky horror cons they're either sci-fi comic or horror cons yes you cannot believe the number of people that dress and come to see us 
And what is easily the most affecting for me aspect of it is that so many people in, you know, sort of biblically right-wing America, mm-hmm. sorry, let's be honest. No, we, we um, know who we are. <laughs> you know, these kids in small towns find it really hard to come out if mm. they're gay or bisexual or trans, which whatever they are, they have found enormous pleasure in finding that movie. Mm. They have their own um, casts that they perform in front of the in front of the movie screen. And so they find these communities and it's incredible because even today you will find some, you know, 14 year old kid is still you find at the Rocky Horror Show is how they come to accept themselves. Oh, even wow. They, you know, 600 years ago. That, that's amazing that you got to be that's a part so of that. Beautiful. That's so beautiful. That's cool. been the greatest thing. And when Richard O'Brien wrote it and, and we performed it at the tiny 60 seat theater in London, the theater upstairs of, of the Royal Court, that was the last thing on his mind. Mm. But how wonderful that it has been this sort of key to unlock a lot of, you know, and liberate. So yeah, truly really like an anthem for a lot of people. I hadn't really thought of it it's in that incredible. way. Yeah. And, it, and, it, and the, as I say, it continues to yeah. have that effect now. It doesn't, it doesn't date. Yeah, not at all. What was it like when you first saw people dressing up and trying to do your moves? When they dress up as me, that is big deal because yeah. my costume is... Yeah you know, a massive amount of work (laughs) for them to do. So often they make it themselves. It's more than just like, you know, being in, I don't know, some other, it means so much to them because of the sexuality and et cetera. Yeah. In addition to uh, being in that movie and having a career as a singer, you actually got to be on Broadway in a Broadway show. Oh, yeah. Broadway. Was that that not a great experience? It seems like a dream to me to be on. I had a ball. Yeah. Antonio Banderas starred in Nine that I was in, and that was a year of my life, mm. and the great Cheetah Rivera. Oh. Um, but, God, I tell you what, it's such hard knacker, you know, <laughs> doing, doing those. You can't, doing a musical eight shows a week, and I was Cheetah's understudy, one rehearsal a week, and my daughter was four at the time. Oh. I'm telling you, it really took it out of me. Interesting. Yeah. But it was a great experience. I loved, you know, being in the show and the whole thing and Antonio is a dream being a you know Spaniard in my words (laughs) well in addition to uh playing in New York you also owned and ran some bars and clubs there Uh, in fact a pretty famous one tell us about your your big claim to fame as a club owner well of course I was one of the owners of my of the nightclub Nell's named after myself (laughs) just like Rocky Horror we opened it and it was just an unbelievable sensation we rented an old hardware store and uh, and made it and turned it into sort of an old English looking like a, a panel mm-hmm. room, like an English gentleman's club. And people thought it was always had been that mm. because we, you know, and so they didn't realize they were just in a, in a hardware store <laughs> picking up their heels. So that, that was fabulous, but I didn't see daylight for five years. Oh, gosh. But some of the nightlife it, there, uh, I read that Prince played there one night. Oh, yeah. Oh. I could have slept with Prince and I was really mad not to. Oh I my God, you did Are you mad? What is wrong with you? He used to come and pick me up in the limo and play me tapes of songs he'd just, you know, recorded. Oh my God. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I, I've seen Prince twice and my panties just dropped automatically <laughs> both times. I was like, Prince, where are my panties? The, the thing about Prince, it was he wasn't like a real person. Mm. 
He was a little tiny person. He brought his darling father in who said to me, when I first went to look at him in the maternity ward, I looked through the glass, I saw that baby, and I went, he's a prince. Mm. Oh, by the way, he was always dressed in lurex too. That didn't help. <laughs> you know, normally I'm the kind of person that's, that says you should you know, let go of regrets, don't get mad at yourself no. for what you've done in the past. In this case, I think you definitely should keep that regret for the rest of I your can't, life. Oh, wait, I yeah. cannot believe I have just told you this. I'm so happy that you <laughs> did. I, 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 want, I, want I, I need to go there and kick you for not saying <laughs> <I know> <laughs> Also... But all of you people out there, if, if any of these opportunities arise, yeah. you've got to remember, you've got to do it for your friends as well. Yes, <laughs> yeah. yes. You know, you've got to do it for the room, so to speak. Take it for the team. <laughs> <laughs> all right, we're going to switch gears. Let's get to the reason that we brought you here as far as our game is concerned. You heard the questions that we asked of Kate. First, we wanted to know, in the time warp, what kind of a guy does Columbia say her guy is? Helen, what did Kate say? Kate said snake. And Nell? Yes. Yes, it yes. was. Yes, absolutely, winner. Yes. Oh wow! I, I always mean, thought I misheard that particular lyric. But, snake um, of a guy. Snake of a guy. Gave you an evil yeah. wink. Very good. That is a point for Kate. Very good. All right. Next, we wanted to know uh, what is she sitting on before she leaps to the floor for her tap dance? Helen, what did Kate say? Kate said throne. And Nell. Kate, darling, you've just got to go back to the movie. Oh, it God, was jukebox. Oh, it was the jukebox, of course. of course. Yes, but you were so regal on it, it looked like it was a throne. Yes, no, it's of course. Kim Curry, Frankenfurter, sits on the throne in sweet transvestite and we're all around him. That's right. And Don't it's worry, crazy. darling. You recognise I, I belong on a throne, so you get the <laughs> You do. You do, Nell. And, it, yes. you know, that, that poster of Frankenfurter and all of you around him, I had on my wall as a, as a child. That was my – and so Excellent. I think the throne is just – yeah, embedded in my in my dreams, even. I Absolutely, used to go to sleep that, no, that is definitely why. And and <laughs> I, and I applaud, I applaud you for that. Thank Kate. you. But will you give her the point? <laughs> definitely gets the point. Oh, this oh yes. Wow. When you're a queen, you get to give points out for people yeah. who got the wrong yeah. answers. The queen has spoken. The queen has spoken. Yes. All right. Finally, want to know. And gosh, I wonder what the answer to this is. Who played Columbia? Kate <laughs> said what? Helen Hong. Kate said Little Nell. And? Correct. She is correct. Say moi. Say moi. And there you are. I can't believe it. I just can't believe this is happening. Now, before we let you go, Kate, is there anything else you'd like to ask or say to our expert while we have her here? Nell, I wanted to ask, did you keep yeah. any of your costume from Rocky oh, Horror? Can you, darling, no. <laughs> I, as if I wouldn't have kept everything. Not only kept, I would have stolen everything. <laughs> stolen. And you know, there was a girl who was one of the wardrobe assistants who had been working on the show since the very beginning. And she nicked my corset. <gasps> and I am so glad she did because she sold that corset and put an, and did a, put an extension on a house or something. <laughs> so I'm thrilled. So that corset, I, I, I see that corset now. It's so tiny. It's like, well, that's when I really was little Nell. So <laughs> tiny. Nell, I can't, I can't tell which is more regretful, you not having peeled lurex off of Prince's body or you not having nicked your costume. Can you? I would have just nicked everything that had anything to do with me. I feel, you know, mm. it wouldn't have been the first time I've nicked the odd thing from a 
play. <laughs> and not only that, I'm sure they chucked them all because otherwise they would have sold them or put them in a museum or something. Mm. Such a shame. Oh, my God. But that's life. And I know without sounding too corny, the legacy of the film really is how much it's helped people, you know, accept their sexuality or Indeed. their individuality, whatever it is. Mm. Well, in my case, it was it, it gave me it gave me life. I was very, very sick and, you know, dancing around to those songs with the towel on my head, pretending to be every single one of those characters. I would go through the whole film and I'd be like, today I'm Columbia, today I'm Magenta. Today. Oh, that is and, great. And it got me through my therapy, my chemo and my radio. It just it just helped me live and thrive and and, How is and that? be whoever I damn well wanted. And I went in, you know, I became a performer like you. So you're sitting here great. talking to it's you. It's funny how people that you, without even knowing there was a cult at that stage. Mm. Yeah, no idea. <laughs> you see, because I'm sure people don't watch, you know, West Side Story and say, this time today I'll be Maria, the next time I'll be, you know, <laughs> one of the sharks. Do they? But that there's something about that film that makes people want to become them. Yes, you you can't pick yeah. a favorite. It, it's just one of those films. And thank you. I just yeah. not want to take the opportunity to say thank you. A pleasure. And, and when it's you see great. all of those amazing people, tell them that a little girl in Geraldton, a cray fisherman's daughter, survived because of that film. Oh. <laughs> Wow. I can't think of a better way to close out this segment than the, the message you two are sharing right now. Uh, <laughs> Nell, if people want to find out more about you or your work, where can they do that? They can come to my house and I'll tell them everything. Oh, Kitty. wow. I didn't know that was an option. <laughs> All right. I'm, over I'm coming over this afternoon. I'm about to launch my website which is called littlenerlcampbell.com. So keep your eye out for that. But in the yeah. meantime, that isn't, I think that's the name of my handle for Instagram, isn't it? Little Nell Campbell. You've got your publicist right I here, Kate Mulvaney. <laughs> I never look. Thank yes. you. Thank you so much for joining us. What a treat. Nell Campbell. Thank you. Pleasure. Pleasure. Goodbye. Thank All you. right. Helen, what is our score as we head into the final round? Going into the final round, Josh Zepps has nine and a half points and Kate Mulvaney has eight and a half points. All right, now it is time for our final round we call Fast Facts. I'll read 10 statements and each contestant will answer with true or false. I'll start with Josh and alternate between each guest. Each correct answer is worth one point. Again, the answer to each statement is true or false. Here we begin. Josh, Olivia Newton-John starred in Greece. True. Correct. Kate, Olivia Newton-John starred in Greece 2. False. Correct. Josh, Olivia Newton-John starred in Greece 3. False? Correct. Yeah, but once she gets my screenplay, she will. <laughs> Kate, Olivia Newton-John was born in America. False. Correct. Josh, Olivia Newton-John was born in Australia. True. Incorrect. No, oh. the cheater. Kate, Olivia Newton-John was born in the UK. True. Correct. Josh, Olivia <sighs> Newton-John was born to a woman named Bourne. True. Correct. Yes, her mother was named Irene Bourne. Kate, Olivia Newton-John's grandfather won a Nobel Prize. True. Correct. Josh, the prize was for chemistry. True. Incorrect. Kate, the ah. prize was for physics. True. Correct. Josh, her song Physical is about him. False. <laughs> sure, correct. Kate, he invented the Newton-John. <laughs> False. <laughs> 
Correct. <laughs> We're not going to count those last two. Let's uh, thank so much Kate Mulvaney and Josh Zepps as Helen tabulates the final score. <laughs> Helen, are you ready to announce the final score in today's episode? I am. At the end of the game, Jay Keith, it was very close. Josh Zepps has 12 and a half points and Kate Mulvaney has 13 and a half points. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Kate, congratulations. You are the facting champion on Go Fact Yourself. What will you do with your championship? I'm going to buy buy shares in Lufthansa. <laughs> 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 the, the, well, fortunately, yeah. fortunately, because uh, because Kate got an unfair point for a wrong question because her expert was so nice, it's actually a tie. So I'm going to go home to my to my three year old twins and show them Rocky Horror Picture Show and feed them some Vegemite. Well, that is a very nice resolution to what I thought was going to be a very tense moment. Uh, <laughs> thank you so much, both of you, for being here. Want to give you the opportunity to promote or mention anything that you like, Josh? Where can people find you? Uh, they can find me on Twitter or the Instagram, uh, J-O-S-H-S-Z-E-P-S uh, on Insta, or uh, just Google me. Uh, if you're in Australia, you can hear me on ABC Radio. If you're anywhere in the world, subscribe to Uncomfortable Conversations with Josh Zepps and hear scintillating, funny, amazing conversations about the most controversial issues of our times. Woo. Couldn't have said it better myself. Thank you so much, Josh. Wonderful to see you again. Thank you for joining us. <laughs> Thanks. Kate Mulvaney, it was so nice to meet you. Where can people find you and your work? Oh, you can find me on the stages of Australia, but you can also see me on Hunters on Amazon Prime with the wonderful Al Pacino and a, a beautiful bunch of Nazi hunters. Um, season two is coming your way very soon. So get started oh, on season one if you haven't seen it already. Excellent. Well, we're so glad that we got to see you. Thanks again for joining us, Kate Mulvaney. Ladies and gentlemen, my hosting partner is the lovely and talented Miss Helen Hong. What do you have going on, Helen? I am going to be in the second season of Never Have I Ever on Netflix, which may or may not be out now. But in the meantime, uh, follow my family's YouTube channel called Old Korean Dad Stories and Sometimes Mom. Excellent. She is funny. She is Helen. She is Hong. She is Helen Hong. Uh, and me, you can watch The Hustler on ABC this summer. Uh, I am a producer on that wonderful game show. You can also find me on Twitter at J underscore Keith and on Instagram at jkeith.net, all spelled out. That just leaves me to thank Kate Mulvaney, Josh Zepps, Mark Nasser, Nell Campbell. Please like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter and Instagram, all at GoFactorPod. Rate and review us on Apple Podcasts. Update our wiki at GoFactorWiki.Fandom.com and buy our T-shaped shirt at MaxFunStore.com. I'm J. Keith Van Stratton. Good night. Like what you hear? Come see us live. Someday, get your vaccine. It's free. The vaccine is too, usually. Go to GoFactorPod.com for our schedule and tickets. And give us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts like Ray Boozer did. He sheer they said, OMG, in an alternate universe, I am married to Helen Hong. Thanks, Ray Boozer. How you doing with that, Helen? Oh, thanks, Ray Boozer. That's so sweet. Oh, good. I thought it might be creepy. I'll meet you wearing a white dress in the alternate universe. Anyway, Go Fact Yourself is a panel <laughs> quiz program devised and produced by Jim Newman and Jakey Van Stratton and comes to you via transcription from various homes across the country. Questions on Go Fact Yourself were compiled by the Trivia Industrial Complex. It is produced in collaboration with Maximum Fun. Our theme song and incidental music were written and performed by Jonathan Green. Maximum Fun's senior producer is Laura Swisher. Associate producer, engineer, and editor is Julian Burrell. Today's show was engineered by Gabe Mara. Special thanks to Gary Leff of ViewFromTheWing.com. Richard Carrot of Star Alliance, Steve Hui from iFlyFlat.com, Lisa Kurt Sutton, 
Mark Edward Hoyk, Tony Pazuzu, Linda Holmes, Ted Hardwick, Janet Varney, Spencer Marks, Scott J. Langto, Richard Hartley, Brian Fernandez, Brandon J. Carr, Clint Tauscher, Mike Avellanos, Adam Nedif, Dave Bianchi, Erich Tran, and Christine Velada. I've been Helen Hong! Let's do the time warp! Again! It's, that's how the song goes. Oh, it is? Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Now, how does it go? Is it a jump to the left? I, 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 yeah, sure. Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.